0: Done. spun away, looking, shooting, Done with a goal! Well done by Crystal!
1: What's good and welcome to another episode of Diaspora United. I am Andre Carlisle, one of your hosts, and I am here, of course, as always, with Courtney. Courtney, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great because I'm sitting here... With the newest host of the oh, Chelsea Mic'd Up it. podcast. <laughs> I'm really sitting with football royalty right now. I can't believe oh, it. Stop oh it. my goodness. I told you I was sh- going to put you on blast on Twitter earlier today. You should have <laughs> known it was coming, honestly. I really
1: should have known this was coming. <laughs> I absolutely should have. I was expecting you to be like, oh, you know, I'm tired like you usually do. And then I was just like, all right. Yep. Nope. She's, she's going there. Okay. Oh fine.
0: yes. I told you I was going to put you on blast all day and I have. Now uh, you that absolutely I absolutely
1: am... have you and the display names and everything. I, I we, we <laughs> need to have a conversation about that. I was like, Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> oh, it is
0: uh the same Coach Stith treatment that I have been given. Oh. I was like, Oh, I'm now doing this. You
1: earned Coach Stith. I ain't even do nothing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you have done things, sir. Accept the compliment. I'm so excited for Chelsea. This new Chelsea Mic'ed Up podcast, honestly. If I'm being honest, I don't really listen to Chelsea podcasts except for (laughs) Fran Kirby's Fight Club. Um, Thank you for the shout out. (laughs) But now I will also start listening to this because I'm so excited about it.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you to everybody who's been like super nice. Y'all know I don't handle compliments well and y'all been killing me all day. But uh, thank you so much. This has been wild. Uh, Didn't expect it. Didn't think it was real. Then didn't think it was going to happen. And I was wrong in every instance. So... um, pleased to be wrong in this way.
0: <laughs> yes, 100%. But do you want to throw us to our favorite segment, which is not getting complimented. Just kidding. It's
1: a review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's get started with the review. We appreciate the reviews. Love the reviews. Thank you. Keep writing them in. Uh, if you listen to us on an app that allows you to rate, please also rate the podcast five stars, please. Four stars is rude. Uh, five, Unless, well, Yeah, five stars is rude. I I was going to say something, but yeah, give us five, please. Um, This (laughs) review is from Drew S., D-R-U-W. It is titled, Love the Pod. Drop those five stars. Thank you, Drew. And it says, thanks for what you do. Admittedly, I'm an NC Courage fan, but can Pickett get a U.S. Women's National Team look, and then we can free Crystal. Drew, I like where your head's at. Pickett has been balling. Emily Fox has been balling. Ain't no reason in the world Crystal Dunn should be playing midfield ever again for that team. 100%
0: look. I feel like the thing that we've all looked at from this entire past season is just having fullbacks really balling out across the board. I feel like from every team. Again, we're going to get to it later, but Sofia Huerta has been balling out. Not only Carson Pickett, but Caprice Didasco from Gotham. There are a lot of options. There are a lot of options. There is absolutely no reason why we should ever see Crystal Dunn listed as a defender ever again.
1: Never, ever, 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 ever again. Hopefully, somebody. That team is listening. Ever again, don't do not have our best midfielder out here playing left back anymore. We saw it didn't work. We should have made that change during the Olympics. We ain't gonna go there. We got plenty of pods that we talked about all that uh, (laughs) during the summer. But yeah. uh, But thank you uh, bringing it back to Drew. Thank you, Drew, for listening and thank you for the review. Uh, Definitely again, please leave us a review so we can read it on the pod and react. And uh, and thanks for shouting us out and thanks for listening. Um, What we're gonna do is we're gonna run through some. Uh, European soccer news then we're going to talk about some NWSL games that happened then we're going to take a break because we got a whole lot of NWSL mess to get into and it's a lot of mess that's happening so we're going to take the like second half of the podcast and get into it because eternal so sigh much mess. It, yes eternal sigh <laughs> so um Cordy you want to start filling us in on uh what happened in Europe
0: Yes, so a lot has happened in Europe, even though today was a Women's Champions League day. First, we're going to take you through some new roster announcements for World Cup qualifiers, like the same right now. There's an international break on the men's side with World Cup qualifiers. There's one coming up for the women as well. Uh, So first, we have England, and this is also the first squad selection of former Netherlands coach Serena Uh, We, If you were listening to us during the Olympics, you know that we thanked her. (laughs) Because she's basically the reason why we got a bronze medal. It's We're not talking about the players. It's literally Samuna Weidman. Just that.
1: (laughs) Yes. In in terms of coaching, she did more than black coach. So shout out to her for getting us Lynn Williams and for helping us out.
0: 100%. So for her first squad, she called up Jess Carter of Chelsea, Demi Stokes of Manchester City, Nikita Paris from Arsenal, and the British baby goat, Ebony Salmon of Racing Louisville.
1: Is Ebony Salmon good? Is she? I don't know like jury's still out i believe
0: i mean she might be <laughs> one of the top scorers of the league possibly, and having only been in the league for less than all the other players but you know i don't know
1: yeah yeah we'll just have to wait and see how she adapts to the league i think i think it's you know only time will tell
0: only time will tell <laughs> and then also another first squad selection from mark parsons the incoming netherlands women's national team coach but right now he's doing double duty because he's still managing portland um and he called up lenith berenstein of Bayern munich and chanice van de sanden of wolfsburg and that's from the european world cup qualifiers but we also got some other games in the upcoming international break we saw michelle alozzi of houston dash getting called up for nigeria
1: i Shout out, love that.
0: Shout out, and I know that they have a cup competition coming up. And then for Mexico, we saw Karina Rodriguez of The Spirit and Jimena Lopez of O.L. Rain also get called up to the Mexican national team.
1: Absolutely, love that, love that, love that. And uh, and you know what? I really appreciate Serena Weigman's uh, approach to this. It seems like she's just calling up everybody. And, you know, there are a lot of national team managers who kind of will come in and kind of rely on club form or, you know, just try to figure out, you know, talk to coaches or whatever, which is still fine. Obviously, you should do that. But I still think it's important to get all the players into camp, talk to them, let them know what you're looking for, be able to see them for yourself. So I really kind of uh, I appreciate this approach because I, I was actually looking at the call-ups and I was like, who didn't she call up? Like, the whole, like she called up everybody. And, uh, and I really defenders. like that approach. <laughs> right? <laughs> I love it.
0: Yeah. And honestly, I mean, to me, that's the best way to... Honestly, get the depth of your player pool because I mean, she's probably yeah. going to play tactically differently than like we saw with um Phil Neville. So you know,
1: let's hope so. <laughs> I
0: mean, le- <laughs> truly, let's hope so. But you know, it's all that's always definitely a good tactic. But moving on, we also have some e- news out of Europe. Uh, so from this past weekend, D1 Arkema was still going on, and we saw Katarina Macario of the U.S. national team score a delightful. A delightful goal for Leon's first in their 5-0 win. And also in that match, we saw Magyrie assist Mallard and Mallard assist Magyrie. Talk about a great combination. And then from actually the Champions League today, we then saw Majorie assist Kat, who scored yet again.
1: So I have a question for you. Is uh, Katarina Macario good? I like
0: don't even want to answer this because I'm still annoyed about the <laughs> Olympics. <laughs> if I'm being my most honest self because from those two goals, it's like you're telling me.
1: We could have had that. We could have. We could have
0: had that. And we could have easily it had right it. We it was right there. When we were scoring to struggle from an onside position. And, 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 and 14 minutes. 14 minutes. That's all we got. I'm pissed. I tweeted about it. It was right there. I'm so annoyed. You tell me when that forward line. <laughs> I'll never line, get over it. That forward line for every, really everyone except for Lynn Williams and Chris Impress were leggy. And Chris, yep. And could not pull it yep. together. And we had Kat on the bench right there.
1: Yeah, I will. I will. I, seriously, I will never be over that. I just, I understand wanting to let, you know, the, the vested one, you know, the 2019 World Cup have their chance. But when you see how that's working and you say, okay, this ain't working, they can't, if they keep playing like this, I got to make some changes. No changes were made. I, I just, I'm, it's so frustrating because she is so good. She's so good. That connection with Majri is nasty. Like this Leon team, I mean, we're used to seeing Leon dominant. So this isn't really something new, you know. Last year was the aberration, or last season was the aberration, but this looks like it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: It is going to be a lot of fun, and I can't wait to see even more of it. But I'm, I will
1: still be sour about the Olympics. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> sour. I will shout out PSG, even though they had some some other problems. I, I and I definitely don't expect them to win the league over Lyon this season because uh, Lyon just they they completely like rebuilt themselves and are looking very dominant. But Diani and Sandy Baltimore are scoring and looking good and so is Katoto. So I am uh I think I think PSG'll still hang around, but I still expect Leon to get that.
0: I mean, yeah, when they lost the league for the first time and only lost it by one point, they decided to rebuild <laughs> their already super team and make a newer super team. They just
1: went mad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I think they are still going to do it. But also this past weekend we saw the WSL come back. And you know, we have a few yeah. shout-outs for that. Cause I mean, I was super excited just to see. The WSL again. But Hope Powell started and Brighton started off their campaign with a win. We always love seeing black players thrive. We also love seeing black women coaches thrive as well because Hope Powell is the only black woman coach in the WSL. So ha- shout out to Brighton. And then we also saw Bunny Shaw get a debut goal, a beautiful yeah. debut goal, scoring Manchester City's third goal in a 4-0 win over Everton. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was real interesting from Everton. I actually thought they were going to be better uh, than what they showed. And I think over the course of the season, they will be. But Manchester City tore them apart. Um, and a large part of that was Bunny Shaw. You know, just the, the runs that she was making, the way she was exploiting space, the way she was dragging defenders around made it really, really easy to create really high uh, quality shots. And of course, her goal was great. She just kind of peeled away. And she was just kind of, she was just left kind of open to just tap the ball into the net. <laughs> just like exactly where you want your center forward to be. So she's going to be real, real dangerous with them. And uh, yeah, if this match was any any kind of sneak preview, it's going to be a massive problem.
0: Well, actually, it technically was not a sneak preview because Manchester City <laughs> got knocked out of the Champions League today. Right? Losing 2-1. Surprising. Super surprising. Losing 2-1 on aggregate to Champions League debutantes Real Madrid
1: that match was extremely fun to watch but even more fun to watch if you were watching it on Real Madrid's <laughs> Twitch stream because their two commentators I think it was Powell and Raquel they are incredible they are amazing they they, they used to just hang out in the corner at the bottom just reacting to everything and I, honestly I don't understand a whole lot of Spanish but I was I was vibing with them I loved it so much and uh we got to figure out a way to get that get that um <laughs> to get them on the streams from now on because I think uh, Jesse Parker Humphreys let me know that the zone has the coverage from here on and I they got to find a way to co-stream or something we need that in our lives
0: yeah 100 percent um that is something that we need more in our lives I wish you know watching the match though like I thought Bunny Shaw and Vicky Losada were playing really really well and it was like kind of crazy that Man City didn't score but um you know from, I didn't watch the first leg, like, but from a lot of people who did watch the first leg, like, they said still Real Madrid like really handled Manchester City from like front to back in both matches. Um, and then that's when I learned that Man City did not have any preseason matches.
1: Did you know that? Well, you know, I did. And, and the reason is because Team GB was basically like Manchester City, but with Fran Kirby. I mean, so I, I don't like if you have that many countries that you can pull players from I don't understand making it like a whole Manchester City squad so that was real wild to me that they did that they got bounced by uh, Australia I believe in the quarterfinal round because Australia went into the semifinals um and then that was it then they came back went on a little bit of a break because you have to give the players a rest and they had zero preseason matches like that it's just a brutal schedule brutal thing to do I think it's poor planning poor uh, coordination between the club and the national team because I, on one hand if I'm a city player if I'm a city supporter I'm upset about it on another hand like you know beat Real Madrid you know
0: yeah I mean that and
1: we have you could have still scheduled preseason matches by the way like yeah <laughs> you did have players you did have enough players back I think Chelsea did one preseason match where they had three or four subs so
0: oh yeah they definitely i mean with a squad of their size they should have definitely done some preseason matches i think for me that was yeah. the most surprising part because i was like i did know team gb was basically man city Fran <laughs> <laughs> gerby but i was like still like what i mean what about your other players <laughs> you, right. you have other internationals on your team um so yeah that was when i learned that i was like eh, bam. That just kind of, that doesn't make it much better. Um, but in another interesting match from the Champions League today, Wolfsburg almost got booted by Bordeaux.
1: Oh, <laughs> I felt so bad for Bordeaux because that, that match went to a penalty shootout. I think they scored the equalizer or, or the, the goal that put it, that sent it to penalties in like the 119th minute. Mm-hmm. I believe like it was bonkers. And then Bordeaux misses three penalties. It was so brutal. That is so brutal. I'm like, even thinking about it, I'm so sad for them.
0: I know. It's so brutal. And also, because I know that um, Claire Watkins tweeted at one point, and it was like, if Bordeaux goes through and Manchester City doesn't, what are we how are we going to riot for Bunny Shaw? And I was like, yeah, how are we going to riot for Bunny Shaw? But then, you know, obviously Bordeaux went out. Um, and I feel bad for Bunny Shaw, because I was really excited to see her just absolutely put people on skates, tear up the Champions League as well.
1: Yeah, same. I, that's, that's the biggest disappointment is that we're not going to b- get to see Bunny Shaw in the Champions League. And I I don't know. I, I think they I, I appreciate their approach to trying to do a new format to try to get more games on the calendar and everything. I do appreciate that. But I don't know if the way things happen this season is the is the way they need to happen in, in the next seasons.
0: I think I mean, I, I agree for the most part. I like, you know, and I think it's also part of it is. Since so many of us do watch the men's side of the game as well, that if you saw a a matchup like Manchester City versus Real Madrid, like you want that in the later stages of the competition. Yeah. Like I think that's maybe just kind of what we're used to, and I also think it's part of it in general. Is like there's just with like the growth of women's football and you know, like like starting to grow a Champions League and having like group stages um, and things like that. So I'm hoping we'll get to a point where we don't see these early round like you know big heavyweight matchups early on so that way like the competition can can keep growing and those smaller teams can like get it through qualifying and things like that but yeah it's like I mean it's really unfortunate um that Man City went out so early I mean I was thinking about it for like Chelsea and the WSL <laughs> um but yeah I, that's it's also yeah, like I mean, a mean
1: from, oh, f- from a Chelsea perspective it's funny <laughs> <laughs> It's just funny that that you know, Manchester City won't be there. then you're they're out of the Champions League already. Obviously they're gonna focus hard on the domestic league and the domestic cups now. So there is that and they're gonna be very formidable in those. But you know, uh you, you take take the opportunities to laugh at your rivals. So <laughs> you know, gonna laugh a little bit.
0: Yeah, that is true. But yeah, I, I do understand the wanting to see like Real Madrid versus Manchester City later on in the competition not go even just going into the round of sixteen. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Well, that's it for European news, but now we're moving on to the NWSL, where there was a whole slate of games from this past week. Coming through at midweek, first we saw Houston beat – or sorry, we saw Houston lose to O.L. Reign through a Bethany Balser goal in the seventh minute. Then moving on to the weekend, we saw Gotham and Chicago tie. Then we also saw Racing, Louisville, and O.L. Reign tie, but goals through – uh, Nadia Nadim and Bethany Balser. And then we also saw Orlando and Houston. Guess what, Andre? Guess what happened? They also tied. <laughs> tied 1 1 with goals through Rachel Daly and Taylor Corniak, And then Kansas City and North Carolina. Guess what they did? They still tied. <laughs> they oh, wow. tied 0 0. Uh, but they did have an extra, an extra black lineup.
1: Yeah, they so did. So black. Yeah, they did. When they dropped this lineup, I was hyped. I was like, yes, this is exactly what I want to see. I've been waiting waiting for KC to do this. They've had some some, uh, some light, and they could have made it blacker.
0: They could have made real. it blacker. It could have been blacker. Very true.
1: And maybe should have been. But uh, but yeah, I was really excited to see that. And you know what? When, when Casey and Gotham play each other, I want to see the blackest lineups they got. Like, give that to us. Gotham. Let that be the real D- Diaspora United Derby right here. That's what I really want to see. Give me the blackest lineups and I haven't really formulated how I want it to go on my head because I want everybody to score goals, but I want nobody <laughs> to really get like goals scored on them. So I don't really know what I want, but I just kind of want to see it.
0: Admin, Gotham admin, I know you're listening. Get them to put out a really black lineup. <laughs> just put out the blackest lineup they can because there have been times where we could have had extra black lineups. And it, they were not extra black, but put out the extra black lineup because that is, it truly is the real Diaspora United Derby because it's all diaspora, all the time. Uh, And of course, we love seeing melanated players play. Um, But also, Andre, we did not get a fifth game this weekend because Portland and Washington did not happen because of a COVID outbreak in the Washington camp.
1: Yeah, that did happen, unfortunately. Very unfortunately. Get vaccinated, y'all. There's really, there's really, I'm not going to (laughs) preach, I'm not going to, I'm not going to beg or anything, but like, it's, it's been a pandemic. It's been a panini. We thought we were going to be out of this. We're not out of this. We're not close to being out of this. The only way we get out of this is by doing the thing. You got a vaccine that's approved by the FDA. Read about the science if you don't understand the science. I've had it. I got vaccinated fully months ago. I'm fine. My 5G service is great. Andre. Um, it-
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do not give light to that conspiracy theory. <laughs>
1: Um, just just get vaccinated. that's all really um,' cause this situation with the spirit did not need to happen. um I don't know what's going on there. I don't know what they need to in order to get players vaccinated to where this doesn't happen uh it's it's <laughs> the team that didn't need any more drama decided to have a whole lot more drama, so yeah, we're definitely gonna talk about even more Washington spirit nonsense but yeah i I was really disappointed in the team, really disappointed to hear the um the report that as many as eight players are unvaccinated on the team that is not okay and i you know you think of your professional athletes as community ambassadors you want them to be in the community you want them to make connections in the community after games you want them to do autographs you want them to spend time you know with their fans and i don't feel comfortable that as many as eight players have been running around out there unvaccinated um that's not how you take care of your community. That's not how you take care of other people. So um, I, some people may have valid reasons, but I don't think as many as eight do. So <laughs> just want, want people to get vaccinated, please. Please. Tired of this.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, after this, we saw some reports about which teams are fully vaccinated, which teams aren't fully vaccinated. But yes. to me, it's really striking that I think it was reported today that up that 95% of all NFL players are currently vaccinated. And mm-hmm. when we saw, and I mean, a lot of NFL players did have a lot of vaccine hesitancy. And then the NFL as a league said, no, we're going to make it a competitive advantage for you to be vaccinated. Uh, yeah. And they put in those requirements. Um, I'd,
1: and the WNBA too, aren't they close to 100? They're like 99%.
0: Yeah, they're definitely 99, they 100 yet. Yeah, they're at 99%. And I think, except for them, mm-hmm. it kind of happened in a different way that where they started like education by the vaccine really, really early on. So that way there was never that yeah. vaccine hesitancy. Um, so they just...
1: Imagine that, planning ahead, being smart, wow. you know, educating people, being a good league. How about it?
0: What a surprise, truly. Um, but yeah, so, you know, just, I mean, hope the people who did test positive for COVID are perfectly fine. But yeah, yeah. they're, I mean, we're still... In, Look, I started calling the pandemic a Ponda replay, and look, that replay is still happening. It comes around every month. <laughs> we have not taken the music off. The
1: Ponda of replay is still. It's, it's been like a trilogy. We're going on like it's 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 getting into like rocky territory where it's just, there's just like too many of these of these movies, too many of the same movie happening. Maybe instead of rock, maybe the update is Fast and Furious. Right, they're on the ninth one. Oh God. Right. <laughs> so like this is what this feels like. Like please, can we stop watching this movie?
0: I mean, honestly, that is really, really what it feels like. But, you know, digging in to a little bit of these NWSL game recaps, Andre, I have
1: a question for you. I'm ready.
0: Sofia Huerta as right back. Yes. How do you feel?
1: Here for it. Love it. Me too. Love it, actually. <laughs> Love it. Love her being able to get back. Like, like this is why I, like, really, really am excited about Laura Harvey uh, being with that team, is this is a really smart move. This is a smart move not only for the team, Because that team is stacked with a bunch of talent. It's ridiculous. And you also, you really want to get your best players on the pitch. And honestly, sometimes you look at it and you're like, all right, how am I going to do that? And I think with them, the way that they play, how much possession they usually have of the ball and really versus just about anybody else in the league, then you can also get a player who, you know, maybe that's not her best position or a more natural position, but it's a position she can play, a position she's competent at, and it gets you another attacker on the field for those, you know, in those wide areas. And I really like the move, especially because I know Laura Harvey and Blackhoe are tight. And this could be a route to the right back. Right back could be a route to get her back to the U.S. Women's National Team because we have a right back. They shouldn't be the right back anymore. <laughs> and I do believe that uh, Sophia Herta, if she continues on in this role, continues to grow, continue to drop dimes, and that drop, that dime to Balser was amazing. Beautiful. She just put it on her forehead. Like, how about you go score a goal? How about, do you want to lead the league in scoring right now? <laughs> I'm going to give you a ball right to your forehead. Just put it in the net. So, like, yeah, I'm I'm here for this move.
0: Yeah, me too. And I think the difference between Huerta kind of moving to right back, and to be fair, she's that's also happened before. I know Jill Ellis tried it as yeah. well. But there's also a difference, like, when you were already playing on the wing, when she would play on the wing as a wide forward, you're just kind of, like, moving back in the field and i mean obviously the two positions are different and you have to think often at times more defensively but you also have the opportunity to you know really start that attack and i feel like as opposed to other players kind of moving to outside back huerta's like contributions to the game are still the same as her as a wide forward versus her as a right back if that makes sense
1: um yeah no i I think it makes perfect sense because her the abilities that she that she has in those wide areas, you're still getting, right? She wasn't really it. She wasn't. It's not like the Crystal Dunn situation where Crystal Dunn is really better in midfielders at ten, and she can't really do any of that from the left back position. So for Huerta, can do that kind of the stuff that she does wide as a right back as well. That's kind of what you want to see when you have somebody make that move.
0: Right, one hundred percent. So I think that. Like, it's a really, really good move and something that I'm definitely going to be watching going forward. Um, I also think when I was watching this match, I was like, "Rain is literally so stacked. Like, I was just watching them and I was like, y'all also have so much ridiculous quality out of every player on this field. Like, what? Like, literally what? Like, how is how is this legal? how is this possible there was literally a bit of a loophole but we won't get into it. (laughs) but there was truly just so much quality and watching that I was like my goodness but I will say even though I'm really high on the rain I don't think they actually should have conceded that goal because besides the fact that it was just kind of an over-the-top ball and then there were two players who were flanking Nadim like it was really unfortunate when Cook went to ground and instead of kind of like, I think, honestly, probably the ball might have hit her chin or, like, a different part of her foot than she was expecting. Instead of kind of hooking it and it just, like, really going super wide, it only went, like, a yard and it just kind of went into the box that, um and, of course, got on it and then completely blasted it. But also at the same time, Sarah B. got a hand to that ball. And I was like, because you could tell that there was, like like, her touching it took off some of the power from it, but I was also like, you were right there you got a hand to it. So that is my only like little thing, but also I felt like range should have won this game. That had a goal that was not offside called as offside and other things, but yeah, I digress. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's true. And, And you know what? Shout out to Rossing. They can do that every now and then they can find a little gap in your defensive line and be able to get somebody running, running hard onto a ball and they end up hitting you. They beat the Spirit early in the season. I think it was in May where they beat them 2-0. But basically doing the same thing. The Spirit had a ton of shots. They had a ton of possession. And the uh, Rossing was able to find those couple of moments where they're able to hit the ball and get behind your defense. And all of a sudden, everybody's scrambling. And they're able to get the ball in the back of the net. So they do have the ability to do this. And But it is frustrating. You would say that, I mean, Nadia Nadeem scored that goal in the 23rd minute. That's still a lot of time mm-hmm. that Rain had. And they had a ton of shots, too. They had 27 shots in that match. <laughs> Only seven were on target, but they had 27 shots and 62% possession. You expect a team that stacked to be able to get more than one goal, but they couldn't. And it, honestly, Balser's goal was in the 74th minute, so it took them a while to, still to even get an equalizer. So it's good defensive performance or weird Uh, Not quite sharp enough (laughs) from O.L. Reign, but you also say, you know, you also look at the goal that was called offside that wasn't. So, you know, it could just be one of those weeks in the NWSL. It's a a very competitive league and this stuff can happen.
0: Yeah, and another version of one of those weeks was Chicago versus Gotham,
1: where somehow
0: Gotham escaped (laughs) with a point. At one point, I thought they were going to escape with all three points, which to me would have been the snatch of the season. (laughs) Truly the snatching of the season. Um, where Chicago was just honestly dominant all over the board. Like, honestly, Kalia Watt to me had a a super stellar performance, and I was like, I don't understand how she's not scoring. Um, And then from Chicago's backline, Sarah Gordon, per usual, had another very stellar performance, and so did Casey Kruger. Um, Like, I thought the two of them were – I mean, the entire backline, to be fair, wasn't put under a ton of pressure the entire time because – the game was very cagey, very crunchy. <laughs> and by crunchy, I mean there was just like a lot of like fouls <laughs> or or like tackles that should have been fouls that weren't given as fouls. Um, very crunchy game, but also at some point very back and forth, very chaotic. And I thought Chicago should have honestly walked away with all three points, but Gotham's defending and Gotham's goalkeeping again just came up really, really big. And there were definitely some moments like where I feel like Kaylin Sheridan and Estelle Johnson were like not in my house, not today. <laughs> like nobody's thinking about you, Otis. Like not, not today.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, keep having this issue with Gotham and and the way they're setting up their midfield, right? Like to me, you just you just don't need Long and Zerboni. You you just don't need both of those players. I know Cujo was in the midfield as well. She started finally. We've been talking about free Cujo for a while. Don't know why that needed to be said, but apparently it did. But I've tweeted about this before. The Cujo and Sodom Lee partnership is good. It's very good. They have great ball progression. They're able to, to really find those spaces. They're able to feed attackers. Like, that's your, that's your combination. You can either have Zerboni or Long kind of protecting that back line. That's, I honestly think having Zerboni and Long doesn't give enough credit to the defenders that they have. Because Gina Lewandowski is a good defender. Estelle Johnson is a fantastic defender you talk about her slide tackling we see it every single match she does she does it every single match several she times just, all of a sudden somebody looks like they're right a few times somebody looks like they're in on goal and suddenly she's coming through sliding and gets the ball clean uh Imani Dorsey she had a great match she had a great match this match but and then on the other side you have Cabris-Didasco. you have a solid defense you don't need uh, of and Long to protect that back line i think you can be a little bit more adventurous and it would have really helped in a match like this because, are you ready for this? Are you ready? You want to know how many shots on target Gotham had? Three? None. Wait. According to the Googles, I'm look, pull, pulling up the stats and looking. Ten shots, zero on target. I think that's wrong. I only That's hard to do. <laughs> only
0: because, <laughs> I only think that's wrong because I saw who was in goal. The Chicago goal. I saw her make a, I literally saw her make a save or or like two saves. <laughs> where it was like, they were shots that were going to go in so i think google might be a little bit wrong there i can't lie because i also remember right. tweeting i think that was i mean to be fair it was very late in the match it might have been like 70 minutes if not more but i was like i think that was gotham's first shot on target
1: um, so from you know it the, I, I was gonna i was gonna double check looking at it on the nwsl soccer site not saying they have the best statistics mm-hmm. <laughs> but looking at it on there same thing they have two two shots were blocked but not on target. Mm,
0: That's interesting. I'm going to look back into that. I was thinking about rewatching this game anyway. (laughs) Um, But yeah, with Lee and Cujo, I mean, I think we've talked about it several times on this podcast, especially as soon as Zerboni came back from injury and really started playing a lot. I was like, this is not needed. Like, you need, especially with, and I think it would also be different if Ali Long or McCall Zerboni, like, were just, not saying that they're not (laughs) dynamic players, but You just need, like, especially for Gotham and wanting to be super ball possessing, and obviously, you know, this was the first match of new leadership and the coaching staff of Gotham, but Scott Scott Parkinson wasn't there. And I have no idea, for example, how he's going to set the team tactically if he wants them to be counterattacking, like, majority possession, any of that. But when you are a team like that, you need not only three midfielders who are very good at quickly splaying the ball out but you also need three midfielders who are really dynamic (laughs) because there have been several times where like Gotham has just kind of like looked kind of pedestrian in the midfield and so if you want to really go and be a possession-based team and like you know finding really good ways to unlock teams and things like that you need not only three midfielders who are really really good at passing which Lee, Long, and Cujo are all really, really good at doing. And also the dynamic of Cujo, and I can't remember if I've only DM'd this to you or if we've actually said it on the podcast, Cujo is so good at beating players 1v1. So when you, for example, with Chicago, one thing that they were really, really successful at were like immediately pressing Gotham, trying to get turnovers, and then quickly springing the counterattack, right? Which like, yeah, did happen sometimes. But there were also a few times where Cujo was surrounded by three players and dribbled around all of them. And it's like, why do you not want an incredible dribbler like that in the middle of the park where if you are not only coming against a team that is just sitting back being super defensive or a team that is pressing you to quickly get around them or quickly unlock that defense? It don't make no sense to me. It don't make no (laughs) sense to me. And I was so annoyed about it. I was also annoyed at the game because I learned that Brisa's, the empanada place, has gluten-free empanadas and no one told me.
1: Sounds like a very frustrating afternoon overall for you. I'm very sorry.
0: <laughs> well, it was only—it was honestly frustrating because I feel like, and this is how I felt about Gotham, kind of for the past, I would say, six matches, really, since Midge got injured. And Andre, I'm about to drop some stats <laughs> to you about Midge getting injured and what that meant, what that meant for Gotham's record and how many goals Stay they were scoring. It. But just a general disjointedness, especially going forward. Like there were definitely some times where I was like and Estelle Johnson passes the ball to Gina Lewandowski, and Gina Lewandowski passes the ball back to Estelle, and then Estelle will splay it out wide, and then, oh, wait, the ball's coming back to her. Like, <laughs> like at, one, at some points, kind of Chelsea men's team-like, where it's just like they're <laughs> passing the ball 7,000 times. Um, but, you know, just kind of that, there was definitely a disjointedness in the attack, and I feel like part of that is your preferred front three, a friend of the pod, Ife Amanu, Midge Purse, Paige Monahan going forward being super quick being really really good on the ball getting past players stretching that back line you are going to get so many goals out of the three of them but right now Monahan and Purse are hurt which obviously just (laughs) like creates a problem Um, but also just the difference in playing styles for example of Carly Lloyd like I think it also might have been Claire Watkins tweeted it. And at one point, and she tweeted it and it was so funny because I saw the tweet and looked up and I saw it happening right in front of my face of Carly like pressing the front line or pressing the defenders by herself, but no one else was doing it. And so for me, I was like, okay, so she's either doing it by herself because she just wants to do it by herself, or that's like just a general team disjointedness of people not knowing that either Carly's supposed to trigger the press or if they're supposed to be high pricing. you know, there can be a lot of reasons for why that's happening, but that's just like one really like clear example of just like a disjointedness and there were so many times and I love watching Lee as a player, but there were so many times where I was like, Lee, shoot the ball. <laughs> like she like she would get around a player and literally be at like either in the 18 or close to the top of the 18. And I was like, you just did all the hard work. Shoot the ball. And then would like lay it out wide and someone and because of the passes, people would get back or get in a block. But I was also like, shoot the ball. Um but yeah there's just a general disjointedness with the Gotham, with Gotham's like attackers, I will say, um, and you know, I really do feel like that's because of Midge not being on the field. So Andre, do you want to hear these statistics? Because they're not pretty. I do. Well, uh, part of them I are do. pretty. Let, let's. Other parts
1: not pretty. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Hit me with them.
0: All right. So when Midge is on the field, and this is from uh, the beginning of the NWSL season, not including Challenge Cup, throughout till Midge got. Including the game, Midge got hurt, uh, which was the game against Houston in Houston, and and the only game that she was missing was a game was a one-one draw at Orlando with the crazy shrosses by Caprice Didasco and Courtney Peterson. So, in terms of wins, losses, draws, Gotham with Midge is 5 one and 4 That's five wins, mm-hmm. one loss, and four draws. And with mm-hmm. that, they've scored twelve goals across those matches. Nice. Without Mitch, and this is including that tie with Orlando, Gotham has no wins, four Oof. losses, and three draws, Oof. and have and Oof. only scored four goals.
1: So, you know, this, is, this goes back to like a, to like a uh, when you talk about the MVP conversation, the debate is, you know, who's the most valuable player? How do you determine value? Can it be in a player's absence? because I know Midge hasn't been playing, but those numbers are bonkers. And if you're looking at a player that's real valuable to a team, uh, I think you can kind of see it with Midge not being there. So, like, does this get Midge in the MVP running? Like, I know you want to give it to players who've been on the pitch and performing. Like, I'm kind of half-joking with this, but those numbers are so striking. It's like, wow, Midge does a lot for that team. And we already knew that, but seeing the numbers and hearing the numbers, oof.
0: Yeah, honestly, that... I mean, when I was doing this calculation and like got it all together, I was like, these numbers. Oh, wait, sorry. I need to correct myself. It's they, with that losing streak, they've scored five goals, not four, but still, still. Oh,
1: okay. Well, then I change everything I said. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but still, they've, it's only five goals. And I mean, two of those, or actually three of those are from friend of the pod, Ifeana Manu, who just never, I mean, Never. wants to stop scoring so I mean that's like with the MVP conversation I don't think and I mean there are several people in the NWSL who are definitely in contention for an MVP but when you see those numbers um with Midge on the pitch and Midge off the pitch it is really really striking and technically that Houston draw I mean to be fair Gotham had a goal called off um But, I mean, that was, like, they still got a draw and Midge was still just tearing it up with Efi. And, you know, also from FB Ref, where this is, like, where I started calculating all these things, Midge leads Gotham with 1.9 points per match. (laughs) Which means if she's on the pitch, you are either going to get a draw
1: or you are going Uh to win. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Midge gets points. Midge, yeah. Midge, Midge gets and points. And Midge creates a lot of problems for that. And, you know, not to not to go back to the conversation we had earlier, but just think about that, right? Just think about first Midge didn't get on the US Women's National Team, so that's already a problem. But just think about the fact that you had the person who can't do nothing at Gotham as far as putting the ball in the back of the net, like they're supposed to, up top for the US Women's National Team, and you have a player who is over in Lyon killing it for Lyon not getting any minutes. Like, I just want to make sure we're like really highlighting and underscoring that it's not just that we're just like, hey, give these players a chance. We really like, we're big fans of them. It's like, no, this legitimately makes no sense. It's like, and you can see it in these numbers. That is not the type of performance or performer or player that we should have had in those uh, Olympic Games. So I didn't mean to bring all that up again, but I kind of did because <laughs> <laughs> it just, it just really highlights it and why I'm so frustrated and annoyed still. Like
0: honestly, and the and it and the thing is it's it's like kinda simple, right? Like <laughs> if you Sh- want to be <laughs> if you want to win, just put Midge on the pitch. <laughs> like it's really right. it's really not hard because even with that, she is still like has um was like assisting, you know, creating chances, all of these things. So yeah, it's quite simple. Play Midge. Um but you know, moving on to yes the rest of the NWSL news this week. There's been a lot, there's been more news with Washington. And so we're gonna take a quick break and then we're going to come right back and break down that all for you. And just, this week has been a lot y'all somehow. (laughs) All right, and we are back. Just hold on to your hats. It's a doozy. <laughs> Honestly, there's there is so much going on. Um, I'm actually going I know we said we we're gonna start with the Washington News first, but I think we're gonna have a, like just a really in-depth conversation about that. So I do just want to talk first about the expansion draft. The expansion draft oh, yeah. today was or the expansion draft rules were announced today by the NWSL. If in case you haven't seen it, Kansas City is exempt. That was, you know, part of their... Smart move. Super, super smart move. Truly super smart move. But, you know, they, that was one of the things that they agreed to with the NWSL with coming on as a franchise. And, of course, we know about all the drama with Utah Royals and, for example, why the team was moved to Kansas City. So getting exempt from the draft, super smart. Some other things. Angel City and San Diego can only pick one player from each team for a total of nine players, respectively. Um, and on the flip side, the teams that are getting that are getting players taken away from them can only protect nine players, one of which is a U.S. Women's National Team allocated player.
1: Only one. Only that's one.
0: Wild. Which that's wild. Sorry, North Carolina and Chicago. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, there's a lot going on there. Um, but with that each team can lose no more than two players and one of those players that lost like only one of those players they lose can be a u.s allocated player and each team cannot lose more than one player from each player group meaning that when the expansion or uh, when the protected non-protected lists come out each team is going to have players in groups so you have goalkeepers defenders midfielders forwards and so each Team, for example, Chicago, Gotham, Portland, can only lose one player from those groups, which adds in. You can
1: already see how like that's just going to be funny when we get to see those lists. Like, what players are listed as you know whose list is a midfielder with who, whose list is a forward, who's listed as a defender. Uh, I made a joke on Twitter that's like, there's going to be like 20 backup goalkeepers. Like, <laughs> it's just there's just like it's going to be very interesting to see how teams try to protect their players. Other than, you know, in different ways, you know, we and we saw that in the expansion draft with Rossing Louisville, you know, some players were kind of left unprotected because it was like, yeah, t- take them if you want. They'll just retire or go, or go overseas. Right. And uh, Rossing did that.
0: And it uh, really did not seem to help them except for being protected yep. from Angel City from the expansion draft. But There is also still San Diego. So, yeah, yeah, it's definitely going to be really, really interesting. Um, If you don't know which players are currently being allocated by the U.S. national team, you can literally Google it um, because those lists have some really interesting players on them. For example, Carly Lloyd, even though we we know she's going to retire, but also Ashlyn Harris and Allie Krieger and Alex Morgan, for example, from Orlando. So there are a lot of like interesting little twists and turns going on from this. And also uh, with this draft – now there are five international spots up from four from last year. So five international players
1: yeah, can be protected I love as well. That.
0: So going to be very, very interesting.
1: Yeah, I love that. I, I love that additional international spot for teams. I think that's really important um to have to be able to make yourself, you know, to be able to obviously give yourself the ability to be a Premier League, not just for US players, but make sure you can have the best players in the world. Now, obviously, we got a lot. Of, <laughs> A long way to go to be able to offer competitive salaries, but that's kind of the next step, and that needs to happen. And hopefully, that gets close in the CBA. But I love that. I like. I I honestly, I don't even really want to cap. I think you can have a homegrown kind of rule because I think a lot of other leagues, particularly in Europe, have that. But I don't like capping the number of international players. So I like that it's growing. But I would like to see that removed and just have like make sure that you have enough players on the U S so that we're still developing and curating and selecting from the pool to make sure the homegrown talent is featured and highlighted. But we got to be able to have as many international players in the league as well, because especially with expansion, like we want, want the league to remain dominant and competitive as it is. And that's going to require international talent. So um, I do like this move.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, And yeah, it's just, it's going to add in, in a league that does not need more drama. It is just adding in more drama. Um, but So much. Truly so much drama. So some important dates to run down with this expansion draft. On Friday, December 3rd at 1 p.m. Eastern, the trade-slash-waiver window closes. Um, and by 5 p.m. Eastern that day, all previously unannounced trades will be announced to all the rest of the teams. So that's December 3rd for you. On December 10th at noon Eastern, the protected list – that or sorry, noon Eastern is – the protected list deadline. So that's when all the teams have to submit who they're protecting. And then on the 10th by 5 p.m., the protected unprotected lists are distributed to the rest of the teams. So those are two important dates to just kind of keep your eyes out, the 3rd and the 10th. And then on Thursday, December 16th, is when the expansion draft happens. They haven't decided a time yet because, of course. But then the next day (laughs) at 9 a.m. Eastern, that's when the new trade window opens. So that the two weeks in December, just keep your eyes peeled because
1: there's going to be a lot going on. There's going to be so much. The, the league is going to look really different. I like two teams coming in is wild, and this expansion draft is wild. We already saw a move that everybody believes was a you know direct result of the expansion upcoming expansion draft, which is why AD French is in KC. So like we're going to see a lot more moves like that. I think uh, teams are going to try to shuffle to try to protect. I wouldn't be surprised if there are more deals with other teams kind of like Chicago did. And like Rossing Louisville just did, you know, Chicago did that for, um, for Rossing Louisville and Rossing Louisville did that for uh, Angel City and say, all right, leave our players alone. (laughs) Um, Here's, here's a couple of players. Here's what you want. Here's something, uh, or in this case, you know, in Rossing's case, here's Kristen press and some money. um, Here's what you want. Um, Yeah. Yeah. um, We're going to see a lot of movement, I think. And the draft itself is just going to be wild.
0: So moving on to the rest of the NWSL news. Andre, as our resident spirit mm-hmm. reporter, please take us through yeah. this Ben Olsen interview <laughs> with oh. The Athletic. So for those who don't know or haven't read it yet, Ben Olsen, a huge figure in the D.C. soccer community, was announced as club president. Just club president. No, no more titles after that. Uh, club president of the Washington Spirit. And after he was announced last week, Steph Young, Pablo Mar, and Meg Linehan sat down with him and had a huge interview that was later published on The Athletic. And there was just, um, there was a lot in it. Some of it, most of it, I would say 75% of it, did not, I would say, inspire confidence. By the fan base and the supporters group about his qualifications for this position.
1: Yeah, so that's the wild thing about it is you can view that you can take this interview in a number of different directions, and none of them are good. Like you can have a number of thoughts about it, and a positive one is going to be very hard to find. So I don't necessarily understand how. He ended up agreeing to do this without having, being prepared, uh, having better answers for things. Um, I I guess I kind of know because this really does seem like it was Steve Baldwin, Devin Talbot, and Larry Best. That's kind of the boys' club that's running the spirit, making all the decisions. It really seems like they were, they said, we need a quick PR win. People love Ben Olsen around here. Hey, Ben, you want to be club president? And Ben said, yeah, sure. I think I can do that. Uh, do you have any experience? No. Okay, cool. So that seems to be the way that that worked, and it just happened. So this interview is just wild. And, and like uh, like Courtney said, shout out to Steph. Shout out to Meg. Shout out to Pablo. I think they did a fantastic job. I don't know who ha- who asked what questions, but I really appreciate them pressing him on some things that he said, um, and pressing him on on you know some of the things that are happening with the spirit, particularly the the power struggle and ownership. Didn't have great answers for any of that stuff. Didn't really have great answers for anything. I think the only thing he had a great answer for, and well, great is probably stretching it, but he had a decent uh, answer for is about uh, vaccination rates uh, in the club. That's about it. It's the only props I can really give because the rest of it was a mess. So you take it from the standpoint of admitting up front that you're not qualified for the position. And I don't know how many times in that interview it was like, "Well, I don't know this or i'm not a i'm not' I'm, I don't have a degree in finance or I don't have a degree in this or I'm not a business person in this, but and you're like, well, what qualifications do you have other than being Ben Olson? And like, don't get me wrong, like we we appreciate Ben Olsen in the d c soccer community. like I know what he went through with d c United you know that was an unfortunate thing because it's it was just time for him to move on, but everybody kind of understood that. Nobody got like really super upset with him. You know, they just kind of understood like the team needs to move in a different direction and appreciated him and thanked him for all of his work over the years as a player, as a manager. So like you have a good reputation and you have some goodwill built up and to lend it to these dudes in this scenario. And then when people ask you questions like, did you even, have you even talked to Michelle Kang yet? He's like, no, no, I have not. It's like, well, that's kind of important, right? Like you say you're listening. Like in the interview, he says a lot that he's going to listen. Well, you haven't listened to Michelle Kang, which is weird because that's an, an owner who deserves respect. There's a significant, I can't remember the exact percentage of the club that she has, but it is significant. It's 35%. And she, yeah. yeah. So it, yeah, it's significant. So that's that would be something where if you, were, if you were brought in and you know on the outside that there's a power struggle, well, first of all, there are questions of did he even know since apparently he doesn't pay much attention to women's soccer. He also kind of admitted that, which is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> said with plenty of sarcasm, just in case people didn't get it. <laughs> um, but yeah, you have that. You ask about you know, players. Have you talked to them? No, but I'm going to talk to some of the captains. Okay, so you're going to talk to the athletic before you talk to any of your players? Uh, and then you talk about the, 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 the problems the supporters group have with ownership. What are you going to do there? Has no real plan for that. So that's all confusing, and it really seems like you say you're going to listen, but we know you already have the perspective of Baldwin, Best, and Talbot, and you haven't thought in your mind to check that with anybody else. You just say you're going to, and that's real alarming. Then the categorization, categorization of everything going around with the spirit that's happening with the spirit as quote unquote noise was really was really frustrating to me. Like it's one of those things where you're reading, and then you realize you've like clenched your fist. Because you're just like really upset about what you're reading. You're like, stop doing this. This is really bad. There are really bad things happening in and around this club. And to minimize it as quote unquote noise is really problematic. And you look, I I did a control F, control F for the word noise. Uh, Either Pablo, Steph or Meg said it twice in asking questions. The rest of them were contributed, were attributed to him. He said noise 26 times in this interview. That is simply not okay when you're talking about the level of issues, the depth of issues that are going on with the spirit. So like this interview was a hot mess. I was completely like just reading it, shaking my head, like this gotta be a joke. Like I I I could not believe how bad it was. I wanna like Ben Olson. I wanna like I will I I would have loved to have it in my mind think that okay, even though he's clearly been you know, picked by, by those guys, by the, by the boys club of the spirit as being a, a a PR win, a figurehead to help them out, that he would be better than this, that he would try. And I don't have any, any confidence, like whatever little shred of hope I had is completely gone with that interview because it's just, it's so bad. I couldn't believe how bad it was.
0: Yeah. It felt to me, honestly, it felt to me that like the, the spirit like the not the front office, but like spirit leadership also did not prepare him for this interview, like he just can't like to me, he came and just like deeply unprepared for everything, and I was like, if I was coming to a club clearly in turmoil, yeah, it's not the players on the field, but it's dang near everything else. um I would try to be as prepared as I could be for any interview that I was like that I would do, and you know, I like I won't necessarily. Drag him for saying that he doesn't know everything, like only because I've seen leaders come in clearly not know everything and then act like they know everything and then just fully fall flat on their face. Like, that's like my, like that, and the vaccination comments are like the two tiny checks. And I'm like, okay, at least you know, like, (laughs) you know, and you've made it clear that you don't know what you don't know. But also at the same time, and Andre, you mentioned this, like, I didn't see a lot of intention to do, to like, not even saying, how do I phrase this? Like, a, <laughs> It's like, have you spoken to Michelle Kang yet? No, but I'm going to go do that tomorrow. Or like, no, but I have plans to do that in right. the future. Or have you spoken to the team yet? Right. No, but I also am going to like eventually take them out to dinner or something like that. Because Yeah,
1: like, yeah, like sit down with every player, talk to players on the team. Like I know you mentioned he was going to talk to the captains, but like, what are you waiting for? Right.
0: And it's so, <laughs> there were a lot of things where it was like, this just. This is not inspiring confidence. um, and also, I was reading his bio, and I was like he <laughs> was the youngest manager to get a hundred wins in m l s like was clearly successful at some point as a as a manager with d c United. Why don't you just hire him to be an interim coach? like if you were going if you were like, we need to get some goodwill with the d c soccer community and the spirit supporters, right? Like, if you – and you need – you already said you wanted to bring him in X, Y, and Z. Why didn't you just make him coach? Like, he has no experience as president of a club or anything like that. Um, And also, there are, like – if we think about, for example, bringing in people who could be club presidents, like, there are also a ton of people who are in and around the D.C. area who, like, could do something like that, even though they don't have specific soccer experience. They could have also brought in someone of, like, okay – Ben doesn't have a lot of experience as club president. So we're going to like really help him or like we're going to bring in someone else with him so he can really focus on like making like continually professionalizing the club, not saying that spirit aren't professional, but like, you know, he played the MLS for years upon years upon years. Like he knows the things that like clubs should have and clubs should do to make them really feel like a fully, like a suit, a super uber professional soccer club. Right. And maybe Using him, for example, we know that there have been some tension between the Spirit and DC United, especially over Audi Field, and having to play, for example, at Segra, um, something I would describe, you know, the conditions at Segra and people criticizing them, that's noise to the team, not anti-harassment allegations
1: and like... Yeah, (laughs) investigation of verbal abuse and the racism that went on and...
0: Like investigations by the league are not noise saying right. us talking about the quality of the turf and how it's trash at Segrefield is noise, not things that like you can literally get sued about. That's not noise.
1: Yeah. The the thing, I think you made a good point there with like, I would have felt so much better about this if he was saying, you know, I come from DC United. I want them to have a better working relationship with the spirit. Like I do understand, you know, that they are like, and he does mention in there, the spirit or tenants, like, And that makes it difficult. That kind of makes it weird. But it almost sounded like he was really hesitant to criticize DC United or act like he's going to use any of his clout to really help the spirit in that situation Mm -hmm. to be able to make Audi their permanent home. And it was like Mm -hmm. that to me, that's where his that's the only place he could be beneficial because that's the only place he has qualifications. (laughs) He doesn't have qualifications as a club president for any any in any other way. And it's like it's just such a clear, transparent, you know, ingratiation to people who aren't going to look beyond the headline. It's just trying to get a PR win like, oh, cool. Ben Olsen is now with the spirit. Oh, that's great. And they don't look at, you know, they won't read this interview. They won't understand that he how unqualified he is. They won't understand how already, how biased he is in a lot of ways because he's only listened to Larry Best, Devin Talbot, and Steve Baldwin. So, like, mm-hmm. it's so transparent and it's so frustrating that it is so transparent and allowed to be so.
0: Yeah, it's definitely not good. Um and there was also more news coming out of Washington's camp this past week that there has been an anti-harassment policy and or a policy let's say charge against this one of the spirit owners, um Michelle Kang,
1: which was apparently con- filed by Larry Best. So
0: Which yeah, was reportedly filed by Larry Best. So that's also just like I mean that was something for example that they asked Ben Olson about in the interview. He also did not have a great answer about it. Yeah. Heard the entire interview so there's just you know a lot going on in the spirit camp right now i
1: mean and then and then they they also asked him about that dumplings tweet that came out from some dude named the rooster that was just super super extra racist and he has some super racismo, right and he has some answer like oh what do you want me to say about that and it's like well this is the ownership group that you just joined that that report came from somewhere that language came from somewhere Because that dude never reports on the Washington spirit. And suddenly he's got these, suddenly he's a a spirit insider. So where do you think it came from? Right? So like these are the things that you need to be aware of and you need to have more of a reaction than just, oh, what am I supposed to say to that? Well, as club president, sir, you should probably have a lot to say about that, in my opinion. Exactly. And it's also like, hey, this is the owner
0: of the team that you are currently working for.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And you haven't even talked to Michelle, so like you
0: haven't even talked to her. So like, also, I mean, in theory, she's your boss, right? right, Like she,
1: like she's your boss. Uh, So
0: yeah, there's been. But he's got fresh eyes, though.
1: Eyes are fresh. Nobody else has fresh (laughs) eyes. Nobody else could have been, you know, could have came to the spirit with fresh eyes. He's qualified because he has fresh eyes. Keep your eyes fresh, (laughs) y'all. Put it on your resume. That's all you need. Just fresh eyes.
0: Fresh, Fresh eyes. So yeah, there's definitely there's a lot going on in the Spirit Camp. A lot that, to me and I mean I feel like I'm not clearly not the only person feeling this. A lot of things are going to change. Um, and let the night you know, end, please. <laughs> like the fans, the players, they all deserve better. Like yes. have it I mean, I remember, you know, for example, with even just the recent stuff with Gotham, Club Captain McCall Zarbone talking about how all of that all the stuff that was happening off the field. And with this, you know, it was their coach leaving. Like, it wasn't even like a, hey, there's, like, a new NWSL, um investigation into allegations of, like, abuse and things like that. Um, and how that just, all that turmoil off the field can really spill into on the field. So, you know, I hope that doesn't happen for the players. But also, if it does, I would not be surprised because it kind of seems like every week there's something new. Yeah, so... Really hoping for Spirit fans, Spirit players, that it all gets better because y'all deserve better. Like y'all shouldn't be playing at Soccer Field. <laughs> I drove fact. past it today. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> no, wow. like no professional team should ever be playing there, especially at the top flight. Yeah. Um, but moving on to our last bit of the NWSL <laughs> news of the week, Portland or the NWSL finally announced where the championship was going to happen. It's happening in Portland being hosted by the Portland Thorns in Providence Park. And there was a lot of interesting thing coming out of this. First off, that kickoff for the game, it's scheduled to be played on a Saturday. Kickoff is at 9 a.m. It's just so stupid. I I don't think, and like, I played soccer through high school. I genuinely can't remember the time I've had a 9 a.m. kickoff. Like, I, I really don't. Like, the only time, for example, when I had really early athletic things were sometimes with, like, basketball or having to travel or crew having to travel. Like, you, you're having professional athletes, professional athletes, have kickoff at 9 a.m. and having that so you can put the game on big CBS. So that way, you're hoping that a casual fan will just, like, happen to turn on the television and see, like, oh, CBS is broadcasting a soccer match. Let me start watching. Um. I mean, this, was, this is a mess in, like, 95 different ways. Um, but I think the first that players have talked about, I mean, you even have players who aren't even in the league tweeting about this. Janine Becky had a whole Twitter thread <laughs> about this. But it's like, okay, you have the players playing on turf. Providence Park is the only field in the NWSL that is a turf field. Except, except when except when they have to play on turf, at cetera. But yeah. not... They always play at Providence Park. Hopefully the spirit won't have to play a soccer ever ever (laughs) again. But (laughs) I digress. And you also have these professional athletes. Like, do you know how early they're going to have to get up on that day? So that way they can be prepared for a 9 a.m. Pacific kickoff? Like, it's a mess. The players themselves, besides having to play on turf, they're like, we don't even have practice. Like, Allie Kruger said, we don't even have practice at 9 a.m. What do you mean we're going to be playing a championship match at 9 a.m.?
1: Yeah, this this was wild because you like this is it's it's just wild to me how the NWSL can mess up things that like you should there should be no you shouldn't be able to mess this up like the announcement of your championship game should be a celebration. Everybody gets to come, you know. Everybody gets to you know get get excited about planning for it. Hopefully your team's there, but at the very least you know it's going to be an event, right? like like announcing the super bowl every every year like where that's going to be you like get get hype about it this is the pinnacle of your season this is you know every team teams go through from have a season from what like may until when's regular season in like october september um, or uh, October, right? October 31st. It's, yeah, Halloween. October. And then you have playoffs. And then the, the culmination of everything is this championship match. And you're really excited about it. And you announce it, And you tell everybody, you know, this is the destination. We're going to turn it into an event. It's going to be great. Get your tickets and come. Oh, by the way, kickoff is 9 a.m. local time. What are you doing, man? <laughs> like, I just don't understand <laughs> the thought process. And not even from, like, why would you do that? That obviously cannot be the only option. But- did, you didn't even talk to your players. You must not have talked to your players because so many of them were very loud on Twitter about this because players said it, coaches said it, trainers said it, uh, performance, analyst analysis or performance analysts said it, that it's so difficult to prepare a professional athlete to be at the peak physical condition that they have to be at 9 a.m. in the morning. They're going to have to wake up at like 5 a.m. and start like hydrating their hydrating routine, their pre-match routine, their their pre-match walk and everything. Like people need to like the league needs to understand like involving your athletes is an important thing to do. Protecting your athletes is an important thing to do. Trying to get the best product on the pitch is an important thing to do. These sound like very basic things, but the NWSL fails doing those time after time after time and it's just and it's so bad that you get dragged internationally like you got (laughs) janine becky over there in england just hammering you she went on a twitter thread i saw an article that was in the telegraph about this just categorizing all the player reactions to how bad this was and everybody looked calling it goofy because how like you're supposed to be the you call yourself the best women's league in the world right that's what you're supposed to be and you have a 9 a.m kickoff like you just got dragged internationally for no reason because I know this wasn't the only option.
0: I mean, it is truly so foolish, and we saw reporting, for example, coming out. Uh, I think it was Meg Linahan reported it that Louisville and Orlando were also also made bids for the championship and pulled
1: out. And I want I, I got a lot of I got a lot of smoke for them too because I would like to know why. And like, I added the the president of Louisville because I don't understand why they pulled out specifically, like y'all can do a preseason tournament for European teams, but not the NWSL championship. True. I want answers on that. I want to know why you feel like you can do one and not the other. And for Orlando, the same thing. Like, was it COVID? Was that the problem? Were there going to be COVID protocols? Because that's understandable. But you you like, let us know what got in the way. MLS, that ain't good enough.
0: Well, and I think part of it too with especially with Louisville and Orlando is thinking about COVID and knowing for example what policies and procedures like not only Providence Park but also the state of Oregon has in place to prevent the spread of COVID so like even though I was annoyed at first like I don't I don't mind the like Portland actually hosting it in terms of like for example trying to get the most number of people there but also like having it be as safe as possible COVID wise like if I'm thinking about the two markets in with the NWSL that I think are Really, really going to be safe and have like relationships with, you know, stadiums I can sit enough people and things like that. Or the three I think of the Spirit, Gotham, and Portland. But what really gets me is it's just a 9 a.m. And I know it was put yeah. to make it with Big CBS, to put the game on Big CBS. But to me, this goes back to two things. One, the NWSL not doing planning in the very beginning. Because if you came out with these dates and you know it's the end of November and you know you have this relationship with CBS or the Viacom CBS cinematic universe <laughs> you you knew it's end of november and you specifically chose a weekend right before thanksgiving college football in this country rules that weekend there is nothing bigger like for just your average sports fan you can turn on the tv during thanksgiving and see about 25,000 I know there's not that many, but 25,000 college football games <laughs> because it's rivalry, like rivalry weekend. It's a really big weekend in college football. So you should have known that from the beginning, right? If we're doing like proper planning from the beginning, even though what we've kind of learned this season is that that like in general does not happen. So not only with that and then producing your own broadcasts, because it was also to me, this was a very much felt a thing of the end of yourself finally deciding, okay, we want to have a thing in Portland. And so then they went to CBS. They go, hey, we're we're having the NWSL Championship in Portland on November 20th. And CBS looked at <laughs> they went and looked at their schedules and I said, Uh yeah, we can put you at 12 p.m. Eastern if you want the match to be on big CBS. Besides the fact that there are so many other channels in the Vycont CBS cinematic so universe. So many. So many that channels. We I genuinely so many people turn into from March to April for March Madness. But I'm not even gonna go there. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> to me, this like, yes, it is 100 <laughs> percent on like being dictated by CBS and CBS's pecking order, which I'm not gonna lie. I think the same thing would have happened with CBS, ESPN, Fox. NBC may or may not have been a little bit different because they don't necessarily have like college or college football besides Notre Dame. But you know, the planning in the beginning to know college football, especially on Saturdays through the fall rules all of sports television for the most part, if we're being completely honest, at least in the afternoon. Well, like the, To me, there was so little planning in the beginning that by the time this happened and the, the fact that for the longest time, I mean, we are two-thirds of the way through the season. And we just learned when, <laughs> right? we're just like, when this championship is happening. So yeah. it's just like it is honestly a mess and it's either, okay, I really hope that they make a change for this. Like, I really hope that they're like, fine, we'll just put it on Paramount+. Plus. Because also, you're not going to get a casual fan. I promise you. I promise you. As a person, look, UVA was bad at football for my first, like, honestly, two and a half years there. They were not good. I still went to the football games, mostly for tailgates. But you're not (laughs) for a 12 p.m. Eastern kickoff where we know that, for example, so many of these big football schools – are on either Eastern or Central time. They, no one is going to be home for that Saturday game where they're probably having a big matchup with something. And no one's going to be scrolling at noon being like, hmm, I see CBS is showing a soccer game. Let me go turn it on. Because why? They're probably going to be at the dang tailgate. (laughs) Like this is just so foolish all over the board. It's like, why not at this point, just put the match on Paramount Plus and then do a rewatch the next day.
1: Well, see, this is the other thing that I, the problem that I have with this is it seems like all you need to do is ask yourself the next question, right? Like you're, so it seems like you're determined to be on big CBS. Okay. The next question is what type of product can we put on big CBS? If you're talking about a a 9am local time kickoff, that's not your best product. It's just, there's just no way that that's going to be able to be your best product. And that's frustrating because again, this is the pinnacle of the season this is your big big season showpiece. And if you need to have the kickoff much later, you have a dedicated fan base that wants to watch these teams, that wants to watch these players, whoever they are, they will watch it. They will. We were up at like four something in the morning to watch the US Women's National team in the Olympics. Like obviously don't have the, don't have the match at 4 a.m. <laughs> but you can have a later in the day if you're gonna have it at um if you're gonna have it in Portland. There are options. And you even mentioned Paramount Plus. I honestly would not have a single problem because I think that you, I think there's some really strategic marketing things that you can do. You can make it free on Paramount Plus so you can drive people to the app where, you know, they have Syria, they have some, you know, South American football, you know, you can just hype everything that you have to try and attract other soccer, you know, people who are watching that to that app. So like you could do a number of things. This is why I refuse to believe that 9am on big CBS was the only option. Because it's a terrible option. First
0: of all, it's a terrible option. You're not going to get the best soccer game. And also, you're on the West Coast. Just make it a late night game. Yep. Just make it late. Yeah. I mean.
1: I'd be fine with the 10 p.m. kickoff. I'd be fine. Like. It'd be great. I mean, NWSL After Dark is dope. <laughs> <of laughs> like, NWSL. still After Dark championship match. I'm here for that.
0: I mean, it'll truly be deeply chaotic. <laughs> because it's NWSL After Dark. But also, right? if it just don't work on Saturday, just move it to Sunday. It's the it's the last game of the season. Like just move it to Sunday. It's I'm starting to make myself get big mad the more I think about this. But <laughs> like it's just like of course, of course, there was no like of course there's also drama with the championship match.
1: Right? The your big show piece, you can't even do that, right? It's so annoying. You wanna get you wanna get even more upset? <laughs> yeah,
0: Transition. We we, (laughs) we don't have too much more for you here uh, on this episode of Diaspora United, but we are transitioning to heated and hyped. And I actually think I'm gonna go first because I'm still heated. So, as y'all know, I go to every Gotham home match that I can go to if I'm in the area. But I make sure that I'm honestly, I make sure I'm in the area to go to these home matches. And this past weekend, I was there, and I had love the surprise of being joined by Meg Linhann of The Athletic. (laughs) <laughs> and Meg tweeted saying basically saying there you know it's a it's a shame that there's only four members of the media sitting or on the seating chart for tonight's Gotham game like we need to increase coverage from every angle that's not new work but it's just it was like seeing only four people on that list like just really hit her which first honestly kind of made me laugh because I was like oh I'm I'm like am, it's kind of sad that I'm so used to only having few people that I like don't know what I do for example if there were a bunch of people in the press box like that like that's just one thing I thought about of like oh wow I'm so used to it just being like myself and Meg and maybe two or three other people that like I don't even know how to act if there were more people in the press box but what really got me heated this week was Angel City owner Alexis Ohanian quote tweeting and saying BRB Just going to build our own media bottom up with any tags, just women's sports and together and each and every one of you in your personal accounts be so good. They can't ignore women's football. (sighs) Now why this has me heated. And this is not a dig on just women's sports or together because they're doing important work. They're increasing coverage of the space. That's always going to be important. But the fact that Ohanian tagged those two accounts when they have have either raised millions of dollars in capital or have super famous owners. Like if your founders, sorry, I meant super famous founders, like if your founders are Simone Manuel, Sue Bird, Chloe Kim, and Alex Morgan, you are, and you have, and when you announce a company, you have a beautiful page spread in the New York Times. Of course, you're just going to get a lot of people because you're famous already. But it was highlighting these two accounts that really, really annoyed me because they're just going to do well because they either have a bunch – they've raised a bunch of money or they have famous founders. What about the sites that have been covering women's soccer in this country for years and doing it for free for the most part? Like very recently now people are like, oh, wait, people like women's soccer. Let's pay some people to do things for – like make content about women's soccer. It's like what about Equalizer? What about all of the SB Nation sites? I can't go to just women's sports or together and find out what – like honestly what the shit show sky blue was in the years prior or like if i want to go and find like elizabeth eddie's old stats or caprice or caprice Didasko's old stats or like or what for example the the orlando pride expansion draft was like i can't go to these sites these sites did not build the foundation of women's soccer reporting in this country nice. and so it's just like so frustrating because it's also like recognize who you are. You are a person with influence in this space just by the fact that you are an owner of a team in the NWSL and you also co-founded Reddit. So people are gonna know who you are, regardless. So it's like uplift the people that have been <laughs> breaking their backs, balancing, and I I mean I know this because for the past nine months, I've had three jobs, <laughs> not including this podcast. Uplift the people that have literally been breaking their backs and not getting sleep for years and years and years, and covering this game where we know, for example, there has been so many league failures, and at a point there was literally even no league, and still finding way to report about women's soccer in this country. Uplift them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point because you know, even if you're if you're you know if you're kind of new into this or you're you even new quote unquote within the past you know three or four years. There's some history that you might not know. And if you Google, you'll be able to come up with an article and you'll see a byline that somebody familiar and like, oh, wow, this person has been on this beat for a long time. There are so many people who have been covering this sport for a very long time. And there's really no reason to to go in and just try to elevate the new things. Right. Make sure if you're going to make sure you're you're forcing them to bring along the people that have the history that have built built this coverage and been building this coverage. So, yeah, uh, that's a great point. And I completely second everything you said.
0: It made me real tight. But, Andre, what do you heat it about? Uh,
1: I, quite honestly, I, I had a hard time um, um, thinking of something, like, because I'm not really mad about it. It's 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 frustrating in the fact that I don't ever want to see Chelsea lose to Arsenal at anything, anytime, uh, anywhere, because it is very annoying. But... The Chelsea women haven't lost to Arsenal in a competitive match since 2018, and that changed this past weekend. They lost three two at the Emirates, and if they can only beat us once every three years, I'm fine with it. So, you know, uh, that's kind of my heated, but not really. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, let's let's move on. Let's let's end on a on a positive note, Courtney. What's got you hype?
0: What's got me hype is black women flourishing in this league, despite literally Rich. every constantly everything constantly and consistently it's constant and consistent i know they're same, they're synonyms but they're also slightly different being thrown at them six out of not out of the nine of the league's top scorers are black women first of all i always love to see it six out of the nine y'all two-thirds
1: two-thirds
0: of the league's top scorers are black women and for the longest time there was also a tie Four leagues top scorers, but then obviously Beth- Bethany Balser broke it this weekend. But with that, Andre, let me read to you this top score list. So Bethany Balser at number one with eight goals. And then tied for second, we have friend of the pod, Ife Manu.
1: evie has been killing Imagine if she's been starting from the beginning of the season.
0: Bro, I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even want to talk about it. I'm going <laughs> to continue being tight. Uh, we also have queen of the revenge tour, Sid LaRue. Mm-hmm. And then also tied is Ashley Hatch. for, And they're all... Three of them are tied for seven goals. And then we move over to technically to fifth because they do the, since there are three people tied for second, anyway, that's like two, three, and four. For fifth, Lynn Williams has six goals, which is Mm. absolutely bonkers because Lynn hasn't even been in the league this season. If we actually think about it, she was at the Olympics. (laughs)
1: Lynn is so good. It, 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 It just annoys me so much that we have to tell people that, but Lynn is so good.
0: And also, I do want to shout out that Lynn is actually the all time leading scorer in the NWSL. So, a shout out to and that. And sister,
1: too, I believe. Yes.
0: Look, if we were ever to, I mean, I hope that they redo that logo, but that logo should be Lynn Williams because it's Lynn Williams Leagues at this point. It's National Women's Soccer Lynn Williams at this <laughs> point. <laughs> and then tied for sixth as or tied in the sixth place, is Sophia Smith, Ebony Salmon, and Simone Charlie with all five goals. Ooh. I Ooh. mean, what a trio. Huh. But also, shout out to Ebony Salmon. She's been in right. the league less than these people. And she's always like, I have five goals. Oh, also, right. sorry, I forgot one. Met, uh, Pino is also in that with five goals, but still with Salmon. Yeah. It's like, I haven't even been here as long as the rest of y'all. And I'm still killing it.
1: Yeah, that's so dope. I love, I love Ebony Salmon coming in and getting on this list. She's been so good. And actually, you know what? Big shout out to Simone Charlie as well, because before she picked up that little injury, she had been balling, <laughs> like you said, dunking on people. I've had her like, just dunking. It, it, if she, if she, when she gets back, she's going to shoot up these charts. And if she, and if she didn't get injured, I believe she'd be right near the top, if not the top score, because she had been unstoppable up until that point. So yeah, black women have been killing it. We've been saying this, we've been talking about it, we've been letting people know. And guess what? We ain't just talking nonsense. This is what they do. This is why this podcast, podcast exists, because we're going to hop them up always.
0: Always. And Andre, to bring us home, what are you hyped about this week?
1: I'm hyped about the U.S. Open, specifically the women's side of the draw, because two very exciting players, which honestly, I tweeted about this, and I basically said, send everybody else home. Just let these two players play for whatever trophies are left, left whatever prize money is left. Let them split it. I don't care. They're just so fun to watch. Layla Fernandez from Canada, Emma Raducanu from uh, England, both those players have been incredible to watch. They play incredible tennis, really, really sharp tennis as well. Uh, they just keep rolling through opponents who are definitely much older than them, definitely higher ranked than them. It's so cool that tennis gets you, you know, you get to get on these, you get to get behind these kind of players. So cool that when this happens in tennis, because you're introduced to somebody and then you get to really pull behind them like you know them forever. Uh, and that's kind of what's going on right now. And I love it. So
0: Always love seeing the young guns keep going for it. And now, you know, if you beat Naomi Osaka, now you've got to go and win the, all, the whole thing.
1: That's it. Yeah, right? I was like, Layla, listen. I I feel you. I feel you. You did what you did. And I know it's a big moment for you, but but you know what you signed up for. You got to go win the tournament.
0: Well, I am in, and I hope she does. So that's been it for our episode, this episode of Diaspora United this week. We know it's a little bit late in your feeds because there were some really anti-Black technical difficulties that happened. But the I'm nice so thing bad. about it is that we were able to even talk more about NWSL mess going on this week. So Andre, is there anything that you, else you want to add?
1: hashtag free tegan like there are so many different things that are going on with the team in and around the team i'm just waiting for it to end and it doesn't seem like it's going to so sorry to go back to a bad note but um yeah keep uh keep the spirit players in your thoughts
0: keep them in your thoughts and prayers and also free tegan free friend of the pod we always want friends of the pod to be freed so if there's a player that you want us to feature on diaspora united just like it is in the dms why not
1: yeah, hit us up. Let the player know. You know, try and make that link because, uh, you know, we appreciate it. We try to do good work, and you know, there is there is evidence that coming on the pod allows you to flourish.
0: Look, all i saying more. is that your edges are growing. It's science. Your skin is moisturized. <laughs> that look. That's it. It's science. We don't make the rules. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see y'all next week. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to Diaspora United podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review us anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Diaspora United Pod, that's Diaspora U T D P O D, and message us if there's anything you want us to talk about in our next podcast. See you next time.